Let's uh, let's uh, get back into Genesis. We are now into um, really the creation of of the sixth day and what's happening on the on the sixth day. So I'm just going to start reading, and um, I'm going to read with this orange screen, and I'm going to highlight some words as we go. Okay. Now, no shrub had yet appeared on the earth. And no plant had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. So where where we where we there's no handout, sorry. So where we fall here is that there are uh, no shrubs. There are no plants. They're growing, but they're not up yet. You know, it takes some time for a plant to grow, even in my office where some of the vines grow like crazy and I have to cut them every day. There has been no rain yet um, and no one to work the ground. Um, so we are, uh, Moses has gone backwards into day six just before the creation of Adam. So he's setting the the. The, the time stamp for us. So, all right. So we're, yeah, we finished chapter one and we are uh, uh, going back into the, into the beginning of chapter two. And, and, and uh, but we're backwards in day six, just before the creation of Adam. And um, so these are some of the details. Mists have come up, which is the what. They're these, some kind of water is, is showing up everywhere. Um, and I get, have you ever seen the, uh, have you seen the, 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 the YouTube video of the baseball game where all of a sudden all the sprinklers go on in the middle of, like, there's like a ground ball in the infield and all the sprinklers go on. It's, I don't know what kind of mist it was, but I, I just laugh at that. Maybe that's what it was like. And where did the mist come from? It came up from the earth. What did it do? It watered. And how much did it water? Well, it watered the whole surface of the land. So God has a special, I'm going to call it hydraulic or water system for getting water onto his newly grown, newly, newly created plants. When, um, when you plant a tree, uh, do you know what you're supposed to do when you plant a new tree, a seedling tree? Lots of water, like a five-gallon bucket a day of water onto that thing. And I've planted new trees without knowing that. And they've survived. You know, when it used to be a common thing in my family that whenever you moved to a new house, you planted a tree in honor, in memory of our mother. So my mother died in 79. And so there are trees planted in her honor all over the place. All of them, either a flowering crab or some kind of ash tree. Um, but with the emerald ash borer, critter we've kind of switched now to my sister and I moved most recently and we've switched now to the flowering crab which is also what the church staff planted in memory of my wife out on the south end of St. Paul's there's a little tree out there and the, but that one too gallons and gallons and gallons of water just give it everything it needs and that's what God does with his new creation here and I have no idea if this is what it looked like or uh, or not um, however, I used to live near this place. This is in Washington State. And the tops of the mountains kind of look like this. Even when you're on the mountain, you don't always know if you're close to the top because the cloud is so thick. 
that you don't know where you're where you're at and so forth. So I have a Dan Quayle story to tell about Mount Rainier, but another time. Okay. And besides, most of you, a lot of people don't remember. Do you remember, Laura, who Dan Quayle even was? Okay, so a long time ago. He, we, I will tell you, we had a TCW team at my mission, and they came from someplace I had never heard of before, Bethany Lutheran College. Because I was from Wisconsin, I didn't know about Bethany, and I was in Washington now. And a TCW team came from Bethany, five kids, two guys and, five, and three girls, they stayed with a neighbor of ours, and they were my travel canvas witness team. They did they did outreach banners and things and, and stuff. And then to treat them, I was going to take them to Mount Rainier the last day of their of their days with me, or second to last day. But Dan Quayle decided that with the election coming up, he and his son would climb Mount Rainier. And so the the whatever the, the what's the security thing secret called service. secret service closed the mountain wow. so we couldn't we couldn't even go up the other side of the mountain this vast mountain we yeah. no no you can't even go the other side so we took them on the monorail instead and they had fun but you know <laughs> and they got to see the fish you know there there's this uh, fish market in washington where they throw the fish at you and stuff like that at the, at the, yeah so that was that was fun but Travel Canvas Witness. So it's usually college kids who come and help a missionary do work for a week. And in this case, what we were doing is we were advertising for an upcoming uh, teen summer thing, a vacation Bible school. And we ended up with a bunch of kids because of it. And so it was a lot of fun. Um, And one of my neighbors actually constructed from scratch overnight a tetherball t- pole. I mean, he welded it together without any instructions. He just found a tire, filled it with rocks and a little bit of cement and a pole and bought the tetherball. This neighbor of mine who had nothing to do with what with my mission yet or anything like that, and he later became a member of my church, but he wasn't yet. He just, and, he, and more than that, he broke into my yard to set it up. Which was pretty impressive because I didn't know how he got it in there, but he did. He said, "Oh, there are ways, Pastor." <laughs> Believe me, Timmy, there are ways. That's kind of how he talked. So yeah, okay, all right. Let's get into the verb here. The Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. So he formed the man is yatsar, which is to shape or to throw a pot. God forms him like a potter uh, does. He shaped him and formed him. And what did he breathe into him? Um, the, the, the verb here is nafach, to breathe or to blow in, to push in. So it's personal, and also it's a giving as well as a making. God doesn't just make the man, he gives the man his soul. Um, and then what is the soul? Well, I have, I think, seven things. So the soul, first of all, gives life to the human body. When the soul departs from the body, the body is dead. So our, our existence is different from the existence of the animals. Um, the soul is immortal. The soul lives on after the death of the person. But the soul is not eternal. So if you remember your geometry... Uh, point, line segment, ray, and line 
are all I don't I don't have an illustration, but a, a line a, a point on a line is just one point, right? But a line segment would be like to us the the the, the lifespan of an animal, you know, from here to here. My rabbit lived one day less than two years, you know, so whatever, you know, 800 and whatever days that was, or 700 and whatever, 800, anyway. Anyway, uh, but a human being has a creation point and the soul keeps going. That's, in geometry, we'd call that a ray because it has a beginning but no end. God, however, would be a line with no beginning and no end. It just goes on forever and ever and ever. That's God's lifespan. So an angel and a human being both have a beginning and then continue. A human has a hiccup, which is death, but the soul continues on. Okay? I, I really could easily have done a slide about that, but I, well, I didn't. So let's just go on. Uh, the, the soul also, Psalm 77 the soul inquires and is intelligent. The soul asks questions. The spirit of man is curious and remembers. The spirit also feels emotions. Um, so there was a program on NPR this morning as I was driving um, from A to B this morning. I heard a little bit of it where they were saying that emotions are the body's reaction to things. Well, that's not all that emotions are because they're, they're how we feel about certain individual things. Um, um, some of you, if you have a, a, a friend who texts you a lot, you get that special ding from that friend and you know who, or that ringtone, you know, and that, that might stir an emotion in you. It might be joy. It might be fear. <laughs> might be irritation or whatever it might happen to be. But, you know, that, but there are all kinds of different uh, things. Yeah. That, that when we say spirit and soul, usually they are interchangeable. But sometimes spirit is used of the whole person and not just of the soul. Okay. Um, for example, there is a tough passage in, uh, is it First John, where the whole spirit, soul, and body are mentioned. And their spirit is the combination of soul and body. That's like category and then subcategory, subcategory, rather than three things. That it, it led to, the, to a, a, a false idea for a while that was, we, we sometimes refer to as, is, is man subject to dichotomy or trichotomy? Do we have three parts or two? Are we body and soul or are we body, soul, and spirit? Well, Spirit, in, in, in that sense, would cover both body and soul, you know, um, if, that makes, if, that, if that makes sense. I have a question. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The body decays. That's, that's Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Mm -hmm. Yes, the soul of the Christian goes immediately to God in heaven. There are a couple of places that say that. Ecclesiastes 12 is one of them. But Luke 16 also talks about it. And Jesus actually tells us that our soul is carried to God by the angels. When, when the moment of your death, your spirit is carried to the, to the, to the throne of God. And that, uh, that transition, the transport of your soul, 
is in the case of a Christian, in place of your judgment. Because the fact that you are simply taken right to God, in, in right to heaven, is a positive judgment from God. This person has faith, and this person is my child. This person is coming home. So in, in the same chapter in Luke 16, it's the story of the rich man and poor, Lazar, and poor Lazarus. When the rich man dies, he dies and goes to hell. That's his judgment of his spirit. His body has not been judged yet. He'll be judged body and soul together on the last day to enter into punishment. But his spirit, his soul rather, now you got me doing it. Um, his, his soul goes to hell and is already suffering, even apart from the body, in the meantime, until judgment day. We see that because he even asks, his suffering soul in hell asks, could you please tell Lazarus to dip his fingers in the water and come and cool my tongue because I'm tormented in these flames. So he's asking for another, another fascinating thing about that account in Luke 16. And there are, there are many fascinating things about that account. One is that it tells us that of, of the four possible categories of human beings, only one of them doesn't care about the souls of other people. So souls of human beings in heaven would like other people to come to heaven. Souls of believers on earth, that is bodies and souls of believers on earth, want other people to go to heaven. Unbelievers on earth don't care. But unbelieving souls condemned to hell also want their families to go to heaven because that Lazarus also asks, would you please send someone to talk to my brothers so they won't come and suffer too? So it's, 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 that's a remarkable account. Um, just, just fascinating. One of my favorite places of scripture because you're just constantly learning when you're there. I did a, a, a study on Luke 16 a while ago and I found 35 truths about heaven, hell, and the judgment just from that story, just that, are, that, that come out of that story like that. Okay. Did that answer your question, Nioka? Okay. Um, the soul also gives us our personalities. Um, we all have um, different personalities. I have a son who constantly pulls his hair when he's tired. He's 22 years old and doesn't even know he's still doing it, but he does. He just starts pulling his hair. And I'm like, you should go to bed, son. You know, I just know. And so, that, you know, it's part of your personality. Um, the soul believes. The soul has faith in God, Psalm 63, rather, Isaiah 26. And the soul desires to sing praises to God, Psalm 34. I could have added Luke 1 with Mary's, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. There's a place where spirit and soul are synonymous. They, they mean the same thing in Mary's Magnificat. My soul sings praises, my spirit rejoices. That's the same thing said twice. The unique thing about Hebrew poetry, why say it once if you can just say it twice? So, okay. Do you, a couple of you are writing. Do you have them all or do you want me to go back? From, from this same slide? Yes. Okay, do you need the previous one or not? Okay. Then we have, this is kind of a cool image of, of, of God making Adam, although I just think of the corn crib 
when I'm seeing this or, uh, or the, 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 the silo, but um, nevertheless. But do you see what's in the back? Just the, the artist put something very carefully into the back. I think those are, that's a lily, which is the symbol of the resurrection. The flower in the back there. And, but this, of course, isn't Adam's resurrection. It's his first birth, but nevertheless reminds us of our second birth. Um, I say this in, at St. Paul's all the time in the pulpit. Well, not all the time, but often. Um, and that is when you see in the stained glass windows in your church the curly, curving things on the sides of the stained glass windows, those are almost always a representation of Easter lilies. That's a symbol of the resurrection. That's what they're there to do, is remind us of the resurrection. All right, now let's talk about the garden. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. So I don't know where Adam was made. But now God puts him in Eden, in the Garden of Eden. Was Adam made there, or was Adam you know, made somewhere else and transported there? I I don't know. You know, was the manufacturing facility somewhere else? When NASA was building the Saturn V rocket, they were launching it from Cape Kennedy in, uh, in uh, Florida, but it, most of the components were made in California. How do you get a gigantic rocket component like the booster from California to Florida? What? No. Because highways have width limitations and tunnels and there is no possible stretch of road that you could drive a Saturn V component from California to Florida. What? Possibly, but they would have had to have gone through the Panama Canal and which would have taken up to three weeks. Okay, train then. Uh, no, trains have specific limitations with regard to tunnels also. No, because it was 30 years before the shuttle. <laughs> this is 1961. And, but they did modify um, a, a Douglas DC something. Um, they put a great big bubble on the top to fit these rocket components inside. They made the back of the plane detachable and rolled the, the rocket section inside the airplane and then welded it back together again and then flew it. And the guy whose idea it was had to mortgage his house and almost go bankrupt trying to get this airplane literally off the ground before NASA would even give him like a go-ahead and the bank would give him a little bit more money so he could and credit so he could keep doing it. But it was the only way, apart from possibly a ship. And they had done some things with ships, but these were enormous pieces. A, a Saturn V is a huge huge thing and then you have problems loading things off of ships yeah. sometimes in storms and do you want you know in 1961 dollars five billion dollars to be at the bottom of the ocean you know and things like that but so um, anyway so i don't know if god had an offloading process here or not but he puts the man in eden and uh, and why does moses say east well the east in in an eastern way of thinking is the 
It's where the sun rises, and therefore it's the nice side, it's the morning side. You know? Uh, uh, so, I'm sorry, a Donnie and Marie song just came into my head. <laughs> For she was on the morning side of the mountain, and he was on the twilight side of the hill. You guys, okay, Donnie and Marie, way too long ago for you guys. Do you know this? Okay, you know who they are? Okay. There was a girl, there was a boy. Okay, enough of that. Um, anyway, it's the nice side of things. At east of Sinai, what would there be east of Sinai in Egypt? Um, the desert? You know, I, I don't know about... If, if we actually get to um, something like that, it, east of Sinai for Moses, if he's writing Genesis in Egypt, would it be, or, you know, it, would, would it be Canaan, the promised land? Of course, we're not really talking about the promised land because Moses is writing about the world before the flood. So I really apologize for using this picture. But I don't know what the world looked like before the flood. This is Pangea. And uh, so I don't know, but... Very close to the center of everything is either Morocco or Nova Scotia. <laughs> they seem to be together there. And, 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 uh, um, but I, I think that I grew up uh, in what really was the Garden of Eden, which is a little town called Poinette, Wisconsin. <laughs> and so that probably was where the beautiful everything was at that time. But So wherever it was. Now the Lord God made... All kinds of trees grow out of the ground. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. It's curious that God mentions that the trees were nice to look at. You know, why do we, why do we have to have trees that are pleasing to the eye? Well, we do. And it's nice. Yeah, but it's, but it's only an emotional thing. It has nothing to do with anything else. Um, a tree can be ugly and do its job. You know, uh, but no, they were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Let's, I'm, I'm going to get back to that in a second. But first of all, again, no shrubs yet. Trees to sprout. Adam now is created and animated and God causes trees to sprout. Why do the trees have to come at the same time as Adam? Because the trees are going to give him his food. So the trees come up right away, and perhaps God makes trees with even fruit on them. I mean, something, at least pears or something, has got to be around for him to figure out. I mean, if a pear drops in your hand, there's not a lot you can do with a pear with your mouth that's not correct. You know, because an apple, you kind of bite an apple. If you've never done it before, you're kind of wondering, is this right? Because it's kind of tough, you know, and so forth. And a... Uh, and, uh, uh, Oh my, some other fruits. Banana, orange. There's, you know, if you don't know how to take the peel off, there's no great way to figure that out. But a pear, you know, you kind of just, whatever you do to a pear is probably fine. Peaches too. When they're in season, peaches are delightful. But you know, God causes trees to sprout. And then God gives his commands. Eat, do not eat. With almost everything, eat. With a couple things, do not and they were his food. And in the middle of the garden are the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, 
And so I don't know if they are, are they uh, species of trees? Or are they just two trees specifically? Um, what makes me think that they were perhaps on the one side a species is because in the book of Revelation, the tree of life is growing everywhere on both sides of the river. And they're all over the place. And yet what makes me think on the other side that maybe there was only two trees is that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is in the center of the garden and there's kind of just one of them. And I don't know if there would have been a species versus one or just the two trees or what it is. But whatever it is, um, Adam and Eve understood when God talked about them and that's maybe enough for us. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.